your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So, uh, recently on the show, you may recall if you heard it, we talked about uh, Japan's apparent attempts to effectively blackmail UNESCO. That's what it looks like anyway, withdrawing funding because of a, a push to have the whole comfort women issue recognized in UNESCO's memory of the world register. Civic groups have been trying to enlist documents related to the enforcement of sexual slavery by colonial era Japan. Remember ruling over this peninsula between 1910 and, and 45 at the end of World War II. Professor Alexis Dudden from the Department of History at the University of Connecticut has been based here in Korea and for some time has been uh, an outspoken uh, advocate of raising awareness of, of issues related to comfort women but has also been affiliated with the uh, bid for UNESCO nomination of comfort women related documents here in Seoul. And thank you very much for coming into the studio. Thank you very much for having me. Good to have you here. So the November 16th bid for nomination, uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Actually, the, the bid for nomination was submitted uh, during the spring. This was a scheduled event that was intended to coincide with the, with UNESCO's decision. Japan's uh, as you mentioned, sort of, I, if I'd never thought I would quote Rudy Giuliani, but since you just uh, heard about the crybaby term, Japan's behavior in withholding what amounts to 90% of the UNESCO budget uh, based on the UNESCO's acknowledgement of the Nanjing Massacre documents uh, several weeks ago mm. has sort of thrown a, a, a slowing process into the into the mix. And so on November 16th, there will be a symposium acknowledging the submission of documents to UNESCO's Memory of the World Project. And it's really quite an exciting moment in which uh, groups, 14 organizations representing, uh, including uh, people from China, Taiwan, uh, East Timor, Japan, uh, the United States. Um, it is a truly multinational bid. Uh, documents from around the world that are collected in numerous archives, the Imperial War Museum in London participating as well. And so this is really an, uh, finally acknowledgement that we are able to demonstrate official documents that are related to the sexual enslavement of women uh, during the Japanese Empire. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the Nanjing Massacre that has been recognized by UNESCO. China had submitted documents related also to sexual slavery activities in Japan, but it was only the, the 37, 1937 massacre in Nanjing that actually was, in the end, recognized to the objection of Japan anyway, as you mentioned. But why is it that the sexual slavery issue is still because up in the air? It's, it is the, the million-dollar question. Why is it still being denied? Why are we still talking about something that we have abundant evidence, physical, oral testimony, uh, related materials? We are still talking about it because the government of Japan has yet to accept state responsibility. And it really lies in that key word, state. Uh, Many Japanese have acknowledged that this history happened. Many Japanese have not only expressed regret and remorse, but to be very honest, we wouldn't be able to do any of this history without our colleagues in Japan, their tireless efforts to 
find materials and archives to prove the truth of this history. And yet the consistency, especially of the current administration in Japan, to sidestep the issue of whether the government ordered uh, this horrendous history continues to cause deep, deep distress among the surviving victims, as well as those of us who work to make their stories known and archived. Um, a brief recent history lesson. We saw Seoul and Tokyo reach a so-called comfort women deal at the end of last year, but that was rejected by some of the uh, surviving victims as well as many civic groups. Now we have a situation where that administration here in Seoul that reached that deal is completely on the ropes, on its knees, you might say, very uncertain, very uh, unsure in terms of political power, but yet Seoul and Tokyo are pushing ahead with a military-sharing agreement. Uh, and and this all seems rather strange. It does, especially when you realize that there, these two agreements are separate in the sense that the December 28th agreement was something that the governments wanted to go ahead with and looked at most, if, if one were to take the government uh, positions here, we could say, well, okay, Japan accepted uh, some sort of, not responsibility as much as acknowledge that this history happened. So we could build on that. The problem now is related to the scandal unfolding on the streets of Seoul is nobody knows who came up with what now. And so the buy-in locally is even more on the ropes. Mm. The surviving victims themselves are joining the protests to call for the president's resignation. And yet in the meantime, time, uh, members of the Japanese parliament are sort of pretending that this doesn't, that, that the social unrest in Seoul is irrelevant, pushing ahead saying, well, you know, the Koreans really shouldn't worry about this. There was one parliamentarian who has on record denied the Nanjing massacre and continues to say that the comfort women are liars. And he personally has said, well, they really shouldn't worry about that and we should just get on with the agreement. And so it's this kind of retrograde behavior that continues to stir up the the resistance to achieving deals that could move things forward. Yeah, an opposition lawmaker said yesterday that they would be calling for the uh, defense minister's resignation if they push ahead with uh, an agreement to share military information with Japan while all this is going on, this chaos domestically. Uh, but what do you think? I, I've also spoken to experts who've said, Professor Dudden, that uh, you know we have this kind of agreement in place with dozens of other countries, that it's fairly routine, that it should be kept apart from the comfort women issue. Uh, I mean, should, what, what do you think? In, in so many ways, I couldn't agree more in the sense that, you know, Seoul has even reached out recently to Beijing for a similar agreement. So, yes, on the one hand, this is precisely what should be able to happen, given the reality of the world in which we exist here in Northeast Asia. However, the recalcitrance on some members of the Japanese government who continue to deny the atrocities associated with the Japanese military and rule of Korea now over 70 years ago whips up the an anti-Japanese feeling that could easily, not easily, but could be successfully mitigated by state acknowledgement of atrocities that occurred. Mm. That would enable opposition lawmakers here, I believe, to not have to say, well, look what they did to us 80 years ago, 90 years ago. Rather, how can we work together with Japan? Yes. Um, meanwhile, we've had another major development this week. 
haven't we? Donald we Trump, have. uh, his election victory in the United States raises questions in just about every policy area. But we had seen the Obama administration, perhaps not ultimately with success, but try to pressure Japan into recognizing this comfort women issue. Um, Barack Obama himself used the word egregious to describe Japan's treatment of women here in Korea and, and elsewhere. Um, do you think that Donald Trump can or will do anything to put further pressure on Japan? I have absolutely no idea based on the fact that he has said absolutely nothing mm. about this topic. And I, you know, it would be simple or maybe too simplistic for me to say that his views on women as expressed in general or on the weaker members of society would give us a roadmap. I actually don't think that that is a way to measure the, the Trump presidency. I can only look to the people whose names are being floated as advisors, and it gives me pause when I read names such as John Bolton uh, in association with uh, diplomacy. Uh, he does not have a stellar track record on human rights issues, and so when I consider who might be guiding American policy moving forward, I'm hesitant to know what mm. will happen. At the same time, looked at completely from the other direction. The only thing we know about Donald Trump is his interest in turning a profit. And what is consistent throughout all of this is that it is against Japan's economic interests to continue to deny the history that we know occurred. And it consistently leads to standoffs in this region that have true economic uh, consequences. So if Donald Trump can somehow be made to understand that it is in the interests of the region economically to the profit of all for Japan to simply move forward by acknowledging what happened, then maybe the Trump advisors can see that this is to their benefit too. And you never know. Uh, whether, whether you like him as a person or not, you, like on North Korea, on Japan, on other issues, he might just, by virtue of being Donald Trump, get things done in a way that uh, more diplomatic predecessors have been unable to do. I have absolutely yeah, no idea. It's I simply hope for the dignity of the very few surviving women that uh, this moment next week can honour the fact that their histories, as they have mm. been consistently reporting, happened. Well, on a final note on that, how hopeful are you? Oh, I'm, I, I'm a historian, so I, by definition, have to be hopeful, and this is a true achievement. We have an archive, a library, if you will, that no matter who is president where, demonstrates what these women endured. And as these women themselves continue to say, the reason they want their stories known is to prevent future occurrences. And only through understanding how such systemic violence worked in the past can we work to prevent it in the future. Professor Dudden, well, thank you on behalf of all those women and many others here in Korea for being a global so-called neutral voice, adding credibility to these calls. Because sometimes, and I know you'll be frustrated by this, people dismiss uh, the bipartisan nature of, of this conversation. Thank you again for thank coming into so the much. studio. Professor Alexis Dudden from the University of Connecticut visiting us here in uh, Korea and always a pleasure to have you in the studio. Uh, if you want to get in touch right now on this issue, lend your support to those calls from Professor Dudden. Panasharp 1013 for 51 per message. <laughs>